the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Electric scooters. Taking U.S. cities by storm. They're illegal on British roads. What? It's deeply irritating for owners of such devices who see inexperienced teenagers pedal down the road. And uh, often without helmets, sometimes inebriated on bicycles or in it from a dock on the sidewalk. And there's just a lot of irritation going on right now with what's happening with the scooters. And the e-scooter startup. <laughs> You're going to be hearing more and more about the e-scooter startups. Uh, not going away anytime soon. I got a stock idea for you. And I'll get to that in just a second. I saw a story that just... The headline just makes you sick. And this has got to stop. Los Angeles police seek suspect in alleged sexual assault of a pit bull. The pit bull had suffered trauma to her vagina and aorta. In America, bestiality is only a misdemeanor. Wow. Like... I'm blown away by that story, just with just incredible sadness. And whoa. So stock idea for you is the company that I'm sitting at right now. I'm in the studios of a television station, Nexstar Media Group, second largest owner of local TV stations in the United States. It's got 170 stations. It's covering 39% of households in the United States. It's within 20 of the top 50 markets in the country. It's got network affiliates with ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC. Primarily, it's a source of revenue that's been the sale of commercial airtime. Um, and they're coming into a really good time. Political season. They only give updates every two years as a financial company um, because of the two years of the election cycles. They completed a big acquisition of Media General. That deal was significant and increased its local broadcast television portfolio by two-thirds. It more than doubled the company's audience reach. Um, the company has just a really good history of growing at 20%. With tuck-in acquisitions, tax reform, um, they seem to be in the right area with the growth of retransmission revenue. And they've got signals that are worth you know, billions of dollars. Um, just throwing it out there for you. Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned. Next star is a stock that I just mentioned. NVIDIA is in the news today saying they've got a new generation of computer chips that is 
the most important innovation in computer graphics because it lets designers see their work in real time. So it's going to be big for the movie industry. McDonald's is putting up a lot of money, serving up a lot of modernizing in its restaurants. Dine-in table service, digital self-order kiosks, curbside pickup for mobile orders. That doesn't sound like the McDonald's I know. McDonald's I know had kids who were 15 years old working behind the counter that had just the nastiest, nastiest acne. Maybe because they're working with grease so much, right? But that's out there. Other stories of note. Um, I got tickets. I got tickets for wheels, 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 wheels. Winners can receive a family four-pack to the Monster Jam Triple Threat Series Saturday, September 1st at 7 o'clock at the SAP Center. The Monster Jam Triple Threat Series is going on August 31st through September 2nd at the SAP Center in San Jose. Get tickets at Ticketmaster.com. That's Ticketmaster.com. Who doesn't like this lineup of trucks? Wonder Woman, Max D, Blue Thunder. One of my favorites, Grave Digger. Zombies being ridden by Taylor Grot. Megalodon. Which, in time for the movie. But the writer that I'm most interested in seeing is El Toro Loco. Anyone who can come up with a Spanish kind of a bastardization of a name that sounds like it's going to be on a chicken restaurant chain, maybe a burrito chain, El Toro Loco. Winner receives a family four-pack to check out Monster Jam Triple Threat Series Saturday, September 1, 7 o'clock, SAP Center. All you got to do, call 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. And you will be there. So we got that going on. 800-516-1220. Interesting little... um, twist on real estate right now. We know the big cities have done their thing. And we know a lot of mid-sized cities like Denver and Austin and Nashville and Raleigh have done their thing. Now we're starting to see some smaller cities. So if you're in North Carolina, South Carolina, you probably check out Charlotte, Durham, Raleigh. And you go, oh, too expensive. So what's smaller than those? It's a city called Winston-Salem. And that's where people are seeing affordable housing. The 50% run-up in the U.S. home prices since 2011 is reshuffling the pecking order of hot housing markets. While a lot of mid-sized metro areas that had been affordable up-and-coming alternatives, such as Kansas City, Missouri, Nashville, Tennessee, Raleigh, and Salt Lake City, they're still covered by buyers, but they're declining in inventory. And they're raising prices quickly. So smaller, more affordable markets are the phrase that pays right now. Like Boise, Idaho, Dayton, Ohio, Greenville, South Carolina, Winston-Salem. People go where it's affordable. A lot of people say that home prices are dictated by women because women want their children in the best school districts. That's a little bit silly. But let's just buy into that for just a moment. And you go, okay. Now, home prices are starting to rise in third-tier markets. 
Second tier markets are markets ranked 26th to 50th by population. And second tier markets, we saw single family home prices increase 10 to 12, 10% in the last 12 months. Average home, 343000 In Nashville, the average home price is 263000 Now, at some point in time, you look at your home, and I've got a 1,700 square foot home that's worth $2 million. And I go, wow, could I really go buy eight houses in Nashville? Nashville's a hotbed for tech, healthcare, and aerospace companies. It's got a vibrant downtown for millennials. So, yes, you can go get a pepper that is marinated in pepper sauce. It's deep fried in a jacuzzi of grease. And you'll have a pepper popper. And you'll be like, ooh, I got a pepper popper. In Kansas City, another mid-sized market. Home prices are up 10% in the last year, but sales are down about 10%. Just not enough homes available. So third-tier markets are a way to play at this point in time. So some cities, believe it or not, Seattle and Portland are now considered too big. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Boy, it doesn't take a lot of headlines to depress you. You know, Movie Pass, that incredible service where you used to be able to get unlimited movies for nine ninety nine a month. Well, they've run out of money. And their stock has fallen 99%. Because you can't seem to give away movies for unlimited for nine ninety nine and not get people who are going to abuse the system. Or use it as much as they're legally allowed to, right? So Movie Pass is doing something stupid. It's uncanceling people's accounts. And then not letting them cancel the account. That doesn't end well when you're financially engineering. Elsewhere in the headlines, it disturbs you about where the world's going. A male salon owner punches mother in the face after her child shoplifted a a keychain. Right? Two 18 year olds die in Walnut Creek crash. Teen driver faces DUI manslaughter charges. We're probably two years away from self-driving cars. We're going to get more sensors in our cars. Um, and it's a shame. So, two 18-year-old kids die in Walnut Creek crash. That's how fast your life can change. One day you're loving your kids, and the next day someone had too much to drink and takes them away from you. So this is the story that really shook me today. It's in the San Jose Mercury News, and it's a fantastic story. And it has to do with inheritance. It has to do with maybe an estate plan gone wrong. A woman's died three months after a shooting that also killed her husband. Allegedly at the hands of their son, who investigators say was trying to get early access to his inheritance. Man, when you have kids, all you want to do is see them grow old. You want to see them grow successful. You want to see them grow healthy. You want to see them make friendships. You want to see them die of laughter at a funny joke about boogers. The last thing in the world you would ever want to do is see them pointing a gun at you. 
this family did everything they could to get a better life for their children. And basically, one of the kids was 25 years old. Decides that him and his roommate are going to kill his parents so they can get the money now. Ain't that something? Husband was shot dead in a gunshot wound to his chest. Wow. People thought it was going to be a murder-suicide. But nope. I wonder how much money there was. Like, what's the price of killing your own parents? Ain't that something, right? So anyway, do you now have something you want to tell your children? (laughs) A, that you love them? And B, they're not going to get a dime from you if they shoot you? Yeah, I want to tell you a little something. We got a nice trust set up for you, but if we get murdered and it happens to be you, you get nothing. So that's not exactly the happiest story of the day, is it? Sorry, guys. I'm I'm not trying to do this intentionally. David Einhorn, big, super famous investor, runs a company called Greenlight Capital. He is trimming some long-term holdings like Apple, Voya Financial, and Consolidated Energy. Cutting down on his shares of Twitter. Now, you can't really blame him. A lot of these companies have done incredibly well. He once owned Micron Technologies, had 91% stake. Um, he had 275,000 shares. He sold a big chunk of that. Uh, so when David Einhorn talks, people listen. He's a, he's a good investor. Now, he has made some mistakes, and every now and then when you make a mistake in the world of finance, you need to raise money to fund some new ideas to get your investors not focused on, oops, Tesla hasn't exactly done terribly well for us. He bet that Tesla would fall, and it zoomed higher. That's one of the problems with hedge funds. Now, what's interesting to do is that he's raising cash, and... He's a pretty smart guy. He's buying a lot of consumer discretionary stocks like The Gap, Dollar General, TJX, Dollar Tree, AutoZone, Best Buy. I'd pay attention to those. I like Dollar General and TJ Maxx enormously as companies. Best Buy, I kind of come in and out of favor with, but in the end, they're not Amazon. But I like TJX because they, they, they're not Amazon, and it's tough for Amazon to be them. There's something of a competitive feel going to a TJ Maxx and doing something along the lines of getting uh, you know, a polo sweater that was $112, now marked down to $34. i have literally had women that I lived with come home and go, ooh, look at the great deal I got at TJ Maxx. As if it's something to be as if it's something to be proud of. Like it's competitive sport. I know. I know. I know. I know. 90% of Americans 90% of families agree college is still a worthwhile investment. 83% of them said that they'll earn more with a college degree. 
So people still believe now it's even more important than it's been in the past to have a college degree, even though we've hit $1.5 trillion in debt, student loan debt. Seven in 10 seniors graduate college with about $29,000, in debt. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of debt. And thank goodness mine's gone. But it's out there, right? Coca-Cola. Every time you pick up a body armor, you're putting money in the pocket of Kobe Bryant. So if you're a Warriors fan, there's no way you drink body armor. Unless you're also a Kobe Bryant fan. Coca-Cola is buying a minority stake in the Kobe Bryant body armor competitor to PepsiCo's Gatorade. Who's number one in sports drinks? Of course it's going to be Gatorade. Who's number two and three, though? Coca-Cola is number four, which is surprising. Coca-Cola, in the past, bought a company called Powerade that just doesn't have much of a market share. Number two in the sports drink. Well, see, sports drinks are thrown into energy drinks, too. And that's when you get the confusing Monster Beverage is number two and Red Bull is number three. So Coca-Cola has to do something uh, because the fizzy drinks are starting to lose, lose favor. Body Armor is also backed by Dr. Pepper Snapple. They're part of the cured Dr. Pepper portfolio of beverages. But Body Armor, welcome to Coca-Cola. Prepare to be integrated. Prepare to be assimilated. Assimilation complete. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. 38% of Americans don't feel comfortable managing their money. It's a pretty large number. A lot of people aren't going to be prepared for retirement based on savings rates, based on things like not wanting to handle their own money. My advice is always find somebody who can explain stuff to you better. Because money is fun, money is sexy, money's got great stories tied towards it. Briefing.com does a great job of making things digestible. Um, like their stock market update doesn't get too fancy. Stocks are rebounding in tandem with the Turkish lira. It's that kind of simple. Let's bring in the one, the only Patrick O'Hare, uh, author of page one at briefing.com. Someone who could talk normal about the markets. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Good to be back with you. Do you think that's a fair statement that when you and I kind of got into this industry and you're a little bit longer in it than I, but there was kind of this fear of people being too smart or, you know, they worked in these big towers in New York and they were better than us. And, uh, th- there's a little bit of that going on for me. I, I don't want to project it onto you, but there was a little bit of that. And that's one of the reasons I got into the industry. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I suppose there is. I mean, you know, Wall Street is the uh, is still the center of financial power, and uh, you know, if that's where you, if you want to make a career in in that uh, financial sector, that is, it really, in my mind, is still the place to be. And I think that's where the sharpest minds do ultimately 
gravitate to, uh, notwithstanding the fact that I'm located in Chicago. <laughs> but um, but there, you know, there's certainly uh, you know when you think about some of the ratings changes that come out that move stocks. You know, on a daily basis, they're they're almost always driven by you know one of the large bulls bracket firms that's you know headquartered in in, in New York City. So, um, you know, it's just the nature of things. And uh, and I think uh, when I started out, you know, over 20 years ago, uh, I was a little bit more intimidated by that reality. And now that I've got 22 years under my belt, I'm a little less intimidated, but I'm certainly uh, appreciative of of the uh, of the idea. It's just going back to, I remember 20 plus years ago, looking at a Jim Rogers and going, he must be the smartest guy on the planet because he was involved with the quantum fund. And I just, I put him on a pedestal in a funny way and I'll drop it and let's move back towards um, our current stock market and the Turkish lira. There's a story that kind of came out of nowhere, in my opinion, would never bet on that at the beginning of the year that Turkish lira would become a story that drives Wall Street. Yeah, well, it, it came out of nowhere right on cue, in a way. Um, when you think about how uh, August is typically a uh, lazy, you know, the lazy, hazy days of summer where a lot of people are on vacation, and, and you oftentimes, though, see uh, issues like this one, uh, you know, just pop up out of nowhere in this particular month when trading conditions are thin, and then you get, a, a, you know, some more volatile trading activity. But uh, the thing with you know the lira is is you know it's been weakening for some time, but of course uh, when you saw the the sudden collapse, if you will, on on Friday, it really got everyone's attention. Um, and because it was it was well, fr- frankly, it was just something new to talk about, right? Everyone had been stuck in in the mud talking about you know China trade issues and peak earnings and and things like that, and and so now all of a sudden you have a potential emerging market currency crisis in the mix. I'm not saying that that's what we're going to have. I'm just saying that that was the line of thinking that, you know, got uh, everyone in the media talking and certainly market pundits, uh, you know, writing commentary about uh, about the Turkish lira, which a week ago wasn't in anyone's commentary, really. <laughs> so now it's, a, now it's a, a page one type of uh, perspective, not just at briefing.com, but across the, uh, the financial media. <laughs> kind of interesting the way it did come out of nowhere right on cue um and maybe put a little took a little pressure off china and tariffs that were dominant in the news for two to three weeks um do we go back to the china and the tariffs in the news or are we moving towards the election what do you think the next big cycle of news is going to be for wall street well i think it i think it will be the the tariff issue because i mean we already heard that you know the the, the next tranche 16 billion dollars worth of uh uh, tariffs on $16 billion worth of Chinese goods is going to go into effect August 23rd. Uh, but what the market will certainly be uh, paying close attention to is, is what then happens with that larger $200 billion tranche, you know, President Trump has has discussed. And, uh, you know, in that uh, you know, comment period, I believe, expires in early September. And, you know, if you get things ratcheting up to that type of level, I think that could create some 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 bigger issues for the market here in the in the short term, uh, because for one thing, you will start hearing how that might impact those midterm elections that are coming up in November. But you know, but secondarily, uh, it's going to be one of those issues that's going to reignite concerns about a a bigger trade war uh, taking root 
and perhaps disrupting uh, what has been a pretty nice period of economic recovery here for uh, certainly for the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. We're moving out of earnings season, and by and large, I think analysts were pleased with lowered expectations, which is what we tend to do. We overpromise and then underdeliver. We lower those promises as we get closer so it looks better. Um, how are you feeling about coming out of earnings season and where we are as far as the economy goes? Well, it was. I mean, there's, it's indisputably a, a it's been a great earnings season. Um, you know, we're looking at the the second strongest quarter of earnings growth since the third quarter of 2010. Um, Backset uh, estimates that you're going to see earnings growth in the second quarter up. Uh, you know, right now 24.6 percent. So let's call it 25 percent. Uh, so tremendous earnings growth. Um, you know, and, and coming out of it, uh, I think you have to have an appreciation for for the fact that a lot of that earnings growth has been top line driven, right? You've got uh, S and P 500 revenues up close to 10 percent this quarter, and so it's not just about a cost cutting story; it's really about a demand driven story that's helping to to fuel that strong bottom line growth when you pair it with the impact of the tax cuts. Um, as well as with the help uh, provided by the ongoing share buyback activity that you see uh, happening pretty uh, pretty strongly. So, uh, but all in all, I think it's been a really good earnings reporting period. And and when you roll out of it, what's now on the market's mind is that you've created some very tough comparisons <laughs> for the market uh, as you enter the first half of 2019, certainly. And you're seeing that show up in the consensus earnings estimates right now, which uh, for the first quarter and the second quarter of next year are around 7% and 8%. Uh, so there's an expectation you're going to see some deceleration in the pace of earnings growth, which should coincide as well with some deceleration in the pace of economic growth. <laughs> so taking a look um at some of the other stories that are out there, I saw that student debt hit $1.5 trillion. Um, do you ever get upset or – I'm asking you a dad question right now, even though you're not my father. Some of the things that we should get upset about, $1.5 trillion in student loan debt, um, the U.S. deficit. Um, do any of these big signs ever freak you out and like, you almost want to have a drink with your, one of your kids and say – Listen, you may want to move to Guatemala, or do you ever get freaked out about our future? Well, when you see you know the trajectory of of, of both the budget deficit and the national debt, that, that's certainly worrisome, uh, especially when you recognize that right now you have the benefit of low interest rates. Um, but if you get into a period where interest rates go up and they go up rapidly, uh, it's going to create some bigger issues. Uh, we certainly, I think, we can acknowledge that you know we have uh, stolen from the future uh, to help the current. You know, environment, uh, and and ultimately there'll be a price to pay. You know, when that uh, bill comes due is really hard hard to say, but we're not on a on a on a good trajectory. We'll leave it there, um, and and hopefully there'll be some um, um, policies put in place that help uh, arrest the trajectory of the uh, of the national debt, which is is not moving in the right way. Can't get you to freak out, can I? I'm trying, and I can't get you to do it. But I'll be honest, on occasion, I'm like, I don't know how this ends. I, I can't imagine it ends well. It's like our housing market here in the Bay Area that, you know, $1,100 square foot is now, it's common. And I can't imagine that ends well. Because um, that's not a good, that's a big, solid number. 
Yeah, I can't, I can't say but, I, I disagree with you, Rob. <laughs> it is yeah, Chicago's no better. <laughs> so. so moving the, the story back to the United States, uh, we do have the elections coming up in November, about 100 days. So that's going to start getting ratcheted up as far as news stories go. Um, there used to be a conventional wisdom when I was growing up that, you know, a divided Congress uh, was good for the United States or a Congress that was one party and a president being the other party was good because it was gridlock. Um, what do you think the, the, the coming election cycle is going to show us and how does it play out for the market? Because for the Democrats to get back in power, they're going to have to take away a lot of perks that the Republicans have thrown out in the last two years. Yeah, well, I, I think that, you know, there's there's the idea that, you know, typically the party that's not in power oftentimes picks up, you know, big num- a large number of seats in the in those midterm elections. But uh, I think what we'll see coming out of this election, though, really, is that um, in the end, uh, the economy kind of trumps everything else, uh, no pun intended. Uh, but if you have a, a you know, roaring economy, uh, people with you know, gainful employment, uh, feeling better about income prospects, you know, that oftentimes translates well at the election booth. And uh, so I think it would be a surprise, um, from my vantage point anyway, if, uh, you know, if the Republicans lost control of, of, of uh, you know, either house. Um, so, um, so we think that, you know, maybe it's unconventional wisdom to think that uh, that they maintain control in both houses, but uh, that may be, as far as the stock market is concerned, the the preferred outcome given the momentum we've seen kick into the capital markets uh, since the presidential election. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing dot com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Every year, the Money Show comes to San Francisco, and this year is no different. Kim Githler with the Money Show gives me a list of about 50 guests that are going to be speaking and presenting and sharing their knowledge, and I always get to handpick a good list, and this one's no different. Joining me now, Jack Ablin, Executive Vice President, Chief Investment Officer, BMO Private Bank. How are you, Mr. Ablin? Great. Let me. I got to update you, uh, Rob. I'm no longer at BMO Private Bank. I'm actually now a founding partner at Crescent Wealth Advisors in Chicago. Okay, so you're still in the same industry, and you've probably uh, I'm still the same person. Off on, yes, it's still the same strategist and insight. Yeah. Um, investment officer, chief investment officer. Tell us a little bit about your day to day, and uh, then let's get into the market talk. Sure. Day to day, you know, we're we're uh, as a new firm, we have a, certainly a lot to do. But um, my main job is not only uh, investment risk management, um, but investment risk allocation. So, how much risk do we want to take on behalf of clients, and then where do we want to allocate that risk? Uh, and we can look at public securities. We can look at private direct investments in real estate, private equity private credit, um, private placement secondaries. So a lot of uh, a lot of options all over the board. So with that being said, um, business is still good. I'm I'm assuming correct. Business is good. Yep. Business yep. is People good. have not given up on Wall Street. People are not uh, ignoring it. It's not an industry shutting down. You're not being killed by uh, a brand new fintech company. Um, tell us a little bit about the the world in which we are investing in right now. I guess you could say 
Got a little Trump action going on and a little uh, lira as well right now. Sure. So if we try to take just a broad brush, you know, uh, scope of the market, really five things I tend to look at uh, in evaluating the investment landscape. Uh, the five are uh, valuation, the economic backdrop, liquidity, psychology, and momentum. And so from a valuation perspective, at least here at home, uh, near term, the market looks actually reasonably priced because earnings are up 26 or so percent uh, year over year, and the market's up, the S&P's up only about 6 percent. Um, from a longer term perspective, though, uh, Rob, if you look back, it's, it, the, the market does look relatively expensive uh, over, its, over its longer term history. But that said, you know, maybe near term we're okay. Uh, the economic backdrop is still pretty positive. Um, the 4% growth number in the second quarter was, was powerful, but probably not sustainable. But um, I'm in, always encouraged to hear all these ads for, um, you know, these hiring software and, you know, things to look for hiring. And so, so as long as people are still advertising for hiring and hiring software, uh, I think that's a good sign. Uh, liquidity is actually pretty strong. I expected it to have broken down by now, uh, but we actually got a rebound in liquidity uh, in the over the last eight weeks or so, and lenders are still tripping over themselves to try to extend credit to uh, to borrowers. Um, investor psychology is also pretty conducive. Investors are pretty nervous. Uh, they watch these headlines. They watch a lot of the volatility, and they're concerned about um, actions, particularly overseas or trade or uh, some kind of uh, um, you know bombastic tweet. Uh, and that's keeping investors off balance. And then momentum is still pretty strong. In fact. Uh, uh, no time this year we've, have we dropped below the 200-day moving average of the S&P 500. We've tested it about three times, but continue to rally back. Um, so all of those signals suggest that you know if you're a risk taker in this market, stay in. Um, we haven't seen any indication that you should be running away from this market quite yet. Sounds good. Now, one of the things you do as chief investment officer with Crescent Wealth Advisors is you have some expertise in ETFs. One of the questions I get asked on a regular basis is, are we over-ETFing? Are we over-indexing? We've never seen a major correction since we've really boomed with ETFs. I think Fidelity has some free ETFs now, which is kind of crazy good for the average consumer. But have we seen or is there going to be a dark side to ETFs and indexing? Well, I mean, the only dark, I mean, there are really two downsides to ETF uh, investing. One is just the, sort of what I'll call the passive approach, that if everybody decides they just want to passively invest, what that does is it, it, it essentially um, runs counter to the efficient market hypothesis that all stocks are fairly priced. Uh, in which case, I wouldn't, it wouldn't lead necessarily to a disaster, but what it does is it offers an opportunity for active investors to get in between and look for overvalued uh, equities that would tend to be large caps, because that's what generally what passive investors tend to favor, uh, and, um, and then you know, seek out small caps. Uh, that are underpriced uh, because, again, capital tends to flow toward, or passive capital tends to flow toward the largest companies. 
Um, and so that is really more of a passive, active shift. It wouldn't necessarily result in a crisis. It would just be more or less an underperformance of uh, passive relative to active managers. Um, the other, though, is a little bit darker, and that's related to liquidity. Not so much, I would say, on the equity side, but the shift into passive strategies on the bond side, uh, there's, there's a thought that we could see uh, a, what I'll call a liquidity mismatch. You know, right now, uh, investors are able to trade high-yield bonds, for example, with intraday, uh, you know, uh, intraday liquidity. Um, and behind the scenes, and having traded bonds in my career, uh, trading a, a high-yield bond is really, really uh, trades by appointment. Uh, and so if everyone decides they want to sell all at once in a high-yield bond fund, um, they would be raising a lot of liquidity very quickly, and the underlying securities couldn't be liquidated fast enough to keep up with the flow out of that fund. And so what you would ultimately see is the price of that fund Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.